Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis. So, you want to ride a motorcycle better, faster, safer, with more skill and confidence? Or do you want to ride a motorcycle for the first time? Or ride again after taking a break from riding? Well, the purpose of my podcast is to help grow the sport of motorcycling by helping riders of all levels, whether they are new to motorcycling or not, increase their knowledge and skills so that they are better, smarter, safer riders and are getting everything they want out of motorcycling, whether it's on the street, on the track, or maybe even as a fan or a participant in some form of motorcycle racing. My game is to help all motorcyclists up their game. This is episode 49, titled Changing the World One Tour at a Time with Kat McLeod. In this episode, I have a cool chat with Kat McLeod from Layout Motorcycle Escapes, a motorcycle touring company that specializes in tours for accomplished, performance-minded riders that want to experience getting the most out of their riding skills, both on the twisty public roads in the mountains as well as on MotoGP racetracks. Kat and I talk about the tours that he offers, the challenges he is facing due to COVID-19, some funny stories related to the tours he has conducted in the past, as well as his own experiences as a track day rider, particularly on his new Yamaha R1, which has been a big help in moving up to riding in the A group. We also talk about my first track day a couple weeks ago, which is a great segue into how a motorcycle rider interested in a layout escape can prepare themselves if they are not yet riding at that level. This episode was recorded as a live video shown using Facebook Live. So if you prefer, you can check out the video on my Facebook page, So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle. Stay tuned as I'll be doing as many of these podcast recordings as possible using Facebook Live on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I will, of course, continue to make the audio portion available via this podcast. You can email questions for my guests and I prior to the live show using So You Want to Ride at yahoo.com, or even better yet, Tune in while we're, while we're recording and post your questions online. We will do the best we can to answer all questions while we record. Further instructions will be posted before each live show on my Facebook page. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, June 17th, 2020, and is being published on Friday, June 18th, 2020. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into this episode, I would like to welcome my new affiliate partner, Heroic Racing Apparel. Whether you're looking for quality gear for the street or track, head over to SoYouWantToRide.com, click on the affiliates link, and click on the Heroic logo or one of the products that are showcased there. Any purchase you make will help support the podcast. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. So uh, I am Chris Geis, host of the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. This is episode 49, and uh, I'm having a really cool chat tonight with Kat McLeod from Layout Motorcycle Escape. So Kat, how's it going? Welcome. Uh, uh, doing very good. I uh, just uh, had a very good, successful uh, initial track day at my local track, so uh, I'm oh, feeling nice. a lot better. Had awesome. my new had my new bike out, so and um, pushing my, more importantly, pushing myself to to new levels of competence. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I'm sure you, you've probably got lots of tips for me. I just did my first track day two weekends ago, and uh, actually, I'm going to be going again this Saturday. So, great. Any, uh, any bits of wisdom you want to share as we're talking? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, would be, would, would be awesome. 
So, so yeah. So Kat, maybe, uh, you know, I've, I've been following you on social media for quite a while, actually. Thank and, you. Um, I believe the first time I heard about you, I think you had been on the motorcycles and misfits podcast. Yeah. yeah a couple awesome. Of, oh yeah. That, that's a, that's such a cool bunch. That's a, such a cool bunch. I think it was actually a couple, probably two years ago or something like that. Um, so maybe just talk a little bit about, about your company and the tours and kind of what, sure. what um, it's all about. Obviously there's a lot of motorcycle touring companies out there. Uh, the key difference with ours is we married together sport touring with days of track time on famous MotoGP circuits. Mm -hmm. And to do that, uh, you have to have some track riding skills. Right. Um, and the, the secret sauce at the end, after we've done this, uh, we're, we're going to year eight now. The secret sauce of this is really the people that you meet on the tour because track riders are the same all over the world. They gel together really quickly. They're, they're kind of like motorcyclist concentrate. And that, to me, that's the key feature of the, the tour that people don't, everyone's like, oh, I get to ride a MotoGP track or, oh, I'm, I'm going to love the back roads of Italy. And then they're like, damn, these people are really cool. And <laughs> everyone has a great time because it's not just what you have, it's what you do. And more importantly, who you do it with. Yeah, absolutely. that's what makes it a great time. Yeah. And I know I had seen one of your posts recently where you mentioned like the number of really good friends you've made yes. just by doing the various tours. So that's, that, that's yeah. a nice side benefit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. We're not all that different. It, all sorts of different income levels, uh, different professions, doesn't matter. Get to the yeah. racetrack. And it also, that means that everyone who comes on the tours also has a, a competence level on a motorcycle so that we can take the more challenging back roads uh, and, and enjoy them uh -huh. <laughs> at, okay. a, at a decent speed. There's a reason we don't go through the Swiss Alps very often because the Swiss don't want you to go fast. Mm, okay. But the Italians are like, <laughs> it's live, it's passion, you must ride. You know, so, Autostrada, enjoy, my friend. Enjoy. Exactly, exactly. The, the Italians love life and like, what's life without punching the gas a bit you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that, that's awesome that's really cool so so then is it fair to say so when you do one of these tours there is one group that goes out and and is on on the tour you, you don't on the tour like when you're on the you know reg, regular streets you're not doing a b and c group or anything or, no it it varies a little bit from tour to tour um and you know and from the roads that we ride uh so it, you're dealing with different situations in different places. In some cases, we will split the groups up, you know, for people who really want to rail it in the Italian Alps, then I send them with one guide. And then there's usually a second group following that's, that's doing a more moderate pace, but still you're doing, you know, hairpin turns, you know, on a piece of pavement. Sometimes it's no more than 10 feet wide and a very steep incline. This is a challenging road. And not meant for a sport bike, not meant for a super bike. Uh, you need something with uh, a much tighter turning radius. And, but still, it, you know, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Now, in, on, on the, the street part of the tour, do you provide the bikes? Or yes. Or do people sometimes yes. bring their own? Or how does that work? Well, the, here's the whole package. Um, I sort of create this program, particularly for, for your audience. What this is, is this is sort of the, the shining goal on the hill of what you can attain, what you could do if you really train up and, and work with your skills, is you can ride a MotoGP circuit, uh, but you have to get good enough. 
Um, and the other thing we thought about, well, geez, who wants to fly all the way over to Europe for two or three days and then fly home? No, you want to spend some time in Europe and see the world the best way there is, and that's to see it on the back of a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. You want to see authentic Italy or the back roads of Spain? Take a motorcycle. But to do that, you have to develop the appropriate skills to do this, not just track skills, but also street riding skills, so that you're good enough to really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'll just scare the piss out of you. <laughs> it's, right. yeah, it can yeah, be yeah. really scary. So we do provide bikes over there, uh, separate bikes for the track, a proper track bike, and a proper street bike, um, a sport touring bike. And I encourage people to choose the bike that fits them best and is the right tool for the job we're about to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't do a whole lot of uh, cruising. It's mostly we, we've already we've already made it to the place where the fun twisty stuff is. So choose a bike that's really good in the fun twisty stuff. And that's usually uh, a, a lighter bike, uh, easier to handle. You don't don't need to impress somebody with having a big engine here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah. No, no, that that totally makes sense because you know it's the the right tool for the job, right? You're going to yeah. enjoy the activity so much more. So then, how do you like when when someone signs up and they want to do one of your tours? Mm-hmm. How do you select the bike? You know, is it like do you have certain bikes that are good for certain tours? Do you kind of yes. People fill out a survey and then you kind of choose the bike based on their answers. Um, people put in their requests, obviously, and I try to nudge them in certain directions. I say, mm-hmm. if you're not sure which bike you want, please let's let's talk about this. And this has as much to do with their riding experience as to as it does to do with their inseam on their pants, whether or not they're going to be able to flat foot it. You know. Yeah. That being said, mistakes have been made. Um mostly on the well i don't know any of these people i'm far away from my comfortable environment i want to ride something impressive even though my skills don't quite match for that and i've had some people on some very powerful bikes that they didn't crash them but they were clearly uncomfortable on them because mm-hmm. the right. surge of power was just you know it was uncontrollable for them right. so it, we've had that problem and the other problem as it stands, I think, in the overall industry is there's not enough lightweight, low-seated sport touring bikes with good suspension options. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would like to see more adjustable suspension uh, from vendors like BMW. Uh, Ducati's fine. You, know, I, you, can, you can fiddle around with a, with a monster for a low sea height. But example, the F900R, I would like to see more adjustable suspension on it so that people could really rail it <laughs> if they wanted to. Right. Okay. So so I guess that's kind of part of the whole thing, right? So people arrive, you get everyone together, whatever the starting point is, they they get introduced to their bikes. And then I guess you do yes. like a little setup thing, make sure suspension settings are appropriate right. for each individual and whatever. Yeah, uh, it's... Most of the time, the stock settings will work, but for some larger couples and also for some smaller, lighter people, we really have to pay attention to stuff. And also, there's uh, I have some riders on my tours that have been with me a couple of times, and I know they're going to hammer that bike pretty hard. So I double make sure with the you know with the vendors that I work with, uh, particularly for client number five, we need to make sure that brake fluid is fresh because mm-hmm. he's going to hammer. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a big trailbreaker. He's going to be cooking that front brake. Right. 
right. Gotcha, gotcha. You get to know people's riding style and how fast they're going to be. Yeah. Which well, yeah, that's good fun. That's but that's that's just sounds like a cool added benefit of what you're doing, right? Is you get you get to know know the customers. You have repeat customers, and then I have a lot of repeat customers. You know, next time they go out, the experience I guess is that much better. Yeah, I'd say probably 40, 40 to fifty percent of every tour is repeat business. Mm-hmm. Uh, now. Just out of curiosity, so when it comes to like insurance and stuff like that, how does mm. how how do you like how do you handle that? Is that right? Because these things can go wrong, obviously, right? Even if people yes. are, you know, they're skilled and they're well behaved, obviously, you know, you're out doing what you're doing on a motorcycle, things can happen. So, you know, are are do, do people kind of come with their own insurance covering them, um, or is it part of the package you provide? Or well, it's um, it varies from tour to tour. Um, Obviously, Italy, for all our Italy tours, we have a special um, Italian medical uh, package for for that type of insurance. Um, It also varies from location to location when it comes to bikes uh, in terms of what your deductible is if you completely destroy the thing. Um, It's been eight years now, and I've only seen two clients in the hospital one having his ankle x-rayed because he he this was our first tour he he low-sided he he got on the brakes way too hard and he low-sided a hyperstrata and ran and the bike slid across the road and went right into an oncoming uh swiss rider on a gs Mm. and the concern was he had might have cracked his ankle but no he, he was okay although it was really funny to listen to the swiss man curse him out in German, he didn't know he was he was being cursed. <laughs> was, that Swiss rider was really pissed, and and rightfully so. He he he, he did the wrong thing. Yeah, sure. And we did have a problem with drunk deer one time in California, and I'm not kidding. Drunk deer, uh, the yeah. drunk the the apples fall off the trees and they start to rot. The deer eat them and they get hammered. Oh wow, I had no idea. And uh, yeah, the deer. I watched the deer literally jump into. Uh, the client on a Ducati monster. Yeah. And that tore his knee up pretty good. Wow. But so, other than that, that's the only two times I've ever had to see clients in the hospital oh, in wow. terms of medical coverage or anything like that. Right. Right. No, gotcha. And then, so, so given, given those two, which is a small number, like how, <laughs> how many customers have gone through, you know, like, Oh, geez. In, including repeat times. Like, you know, how how many, Oh, we're, we're easily, we're easily in the hundreds at this point. We've been doing it for, for, you know, eight years. Yeah. Average tour size. And this is important. Average tour size is anywhere from eight to 15 people. 15 is my max. I do not want more than 15 riders on a tour because after that, it starts to cut into the enjoyment of the tour for everybody. Mm -hmm. I, I happily make more money, but it's, it's not the type of tour experience I want to deliver. Right. Okay. Gotcha. And then it sounds like you've got a couple of people kind of working with you during yes. for a period. Yes. Uh, van drivers, local guides, translators, track instructors. Um, I, I really try to get the local feel. Uh, I don't, I don't need a local guide to get you through Italy or Spain or, you know, or Germany. I, I've done this. You right. could come with me and have a great time, but I'm not Italian. I'm not Spanish and I want uh, a cultural experience for my customers. I want them to have an authentic experience. I'm not taking people to tourist traps. I want them to get to know this country from a local's perspective. And for that, I want local guides. Mm -hmm. No, Um, that makes sense. 
And then in, in terms of like the, the customer getting cursed at, right, by the, by, the, by the other guy in German. So you provide translation services too, so he knows what, <laughs> what's being said to him or her. Uh, it, in a lot of cases, I think this guy was actually trying to speak English, but his Swiss accent was so bad that my friend didn't understand him, but I could. And yeah, it, honestly, uh, I have selective memory and I really don't remember much of the conversation because we had so much fun. It was our first ever tour. That was the tour in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. So I'm guessing, um, you know, first time you do anything, right? There's always the butterflies in the stomach, the apprehension and, and, yeah. and whatnot. So I just out of curiosity, when, when you did the very first one, like what, what were some of the things, actually any funny stories, like mishaps, things that didn't go right or. You know, it was a complete disaster. Okay. The, the but, first, but, but, but I'm guessing, but before you finish the story, yeah. I'm guessing by the end, the customers loved it probably. Right? Oh yeah. You just rolled through, I'm guessing. Everyone, everyone had a blast. Uh, but it was a complete disaster. We had I had ridiculous amounts of wrecked bikes. Um, I looked like a complete idiot when we pulled into the into the. It, it was the Zoxering in Italian Alps was the first tour. When we pulled into Zoxering, we looked like a bunch of stupid Americans with a bunch of wrecked bikes on a trailer. It was it was so embarrassing. Uh, but you know, we, we learned. We learned that you couldn't have street bikes for track bikes, and um, we just. It's hard to say what what went right or went wrong. We just we got better. Um, booked different hotels, mm-hmm. uh, used some different guides, chose different routes. Um, we just get we just get better at it. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, yeah, ab- absolutely. Crazy, I mean, that's one crazy of the, stories. Yeah. I'm yeah, stuck okay. on the side of Lake Garda with a trailer trying to trying to scrape up two motorcycles off the side of a. It's a, it's a tunnel. It's one of those half tunnels in Italy where, you know, three quarters of the tunnel is, is ro- you know, bare rock. And the, the, there's one side of the tunnel that looks out over the lake. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. Bits yeah. and pieces. All of, it was, it was horrible. <laughs> but the, the consequence of that is one of the, one of the riders who crashed the bike had to get on the back of a BMW S 1000 RR. Actually, I think it was an HP four. He was oh, wow. a passenger passenger on the HP four on the autostrada and this is with one of my more crazy german guides and he just went flat out with this guest on the back you know <laughs> this is life there you go so that, that was yeah, his, that was his consolation prize <laughs> yeah yeah uh let's just say uh my my tours at this point we've learned that we always leave enough room for the unexpected to happen mm-hmm. uh we don't try to over schedule um, we don't have, we have a sort of an itinerary, but we leave room for crazy things to happen, not just the bad, but also the good. Uh, example, one time we're riding through Italy and we start going through towns and there's all these people on the side of the road and they're waving flags. And I'm like, and they're cheering as we go by. We're like, what, what, what the, what the hell's going on? Uh, and it wasn't until we came across a couple of old sports cars that we realized we were on the route of the Mille Miglia. Oh, wow. Uh, of the, all these all these old classic cars being driven. And so we, we took time. We pulled over to the side of the road and we watched some of the cars go by uh, and had fun with some of the local fans. And then we 
we grabbed a couple of Mila Miglia flags and we, you know, rode down the road waving the flags at other people because everybody thought we were support crew. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That, that's, a, it, that's the great thing about Europe is something is always happening. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what it is. You, you don't have the social calendar for everyone. So in Spain, Italy, Germany, something is always happening. We ran into the lamb festival in the Spanish Pyrenees. It was just the right time when all the sheep were coming down from the hill, hills. And yeah, we had some really good lamb, but I, that, that was not in the brochures. Right. Yeah, things like this just happen. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Meanwhile, the customers are like, wow, it's really awesome. All these, things, all these activities that the cat planned out for us. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what? We have a world superbike champion on tour with us. Yeah. Surprise. Cool. Uh, well, sometimes timing is everything, right? You just yeah. But goes. more important, I guess, for, for your listeners is how does one get there? Yes, absolutely. How does one get there? And you've been engaging in some of this. You just had your first track day. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So I'm sure you want to tell folks about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So How'd it go? It, 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 it went very well. So I, I rode my Kawasaki Z900RS, which is uh, 2018, right? So it's the re- you know retro classic kind of, kind of styling, right? I'm um, looking up right now. I love I love the bike. It's I'm not intending to use it as a track bike, but you know, I was like I've been talking about doing this for a while, I've been getting oh. myself ready, doing some reading and whatnot. I have the uh, the orange and root beer brown one. There's there's a couple different versions. I see it. it right? there's, there's, I see it. There's the green one and there's all kind of different color schemes uh, that that they've that they've come out oh, with. That's, actually that's the bike right there on on, on the on, Facebook. On page. my website, yeah. On the okay, Facebook yeah. So uh, great bike. Um, you know, I love it. So I was like, all right, well, I want to go do this track day. It kind of came up fairly quickly. It's been something I've been wanting to do for a while. Actually, I'm scheduled to do California Superbike School. Uh, that was going to be in May, but given everything with the pandemic, you know, that got right. canceled. So that's now rescheduled for August. And thinking about it, I was like, you know what? Before I get my butt on a rented BMW S1000RR, how about if I get a little time on the track first, yes. <laughs> you know, on something a little, a little more tame or whatever, right? Um, so anyway, so New York Safety Track is about a four-hour drive for me up New York around Oneonta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm on the email list and I got an email saying, hey, you know, we've got our schedule set up for, you know, the next month or so. And we're going to be doing a rookie day. So, uh, you know, I called them up right away as soon as I saw the emails, like, hey, you got some slots available? They said yes. So I was like, okay, awesome. So I was like, all right, what the heck? Why don't I just take my bike? You know, it's I'm just going, and it's a rookie day. I'm just starting out. I'm just going to ride around the track. I'm not trying to set any lap time, you know, records or anything like that. Uh, and and it, worked out, it worked out really well. It was, it was a ton of, ton of fun. It was, it was really nice because, you know, as opposed to the normal day where they will do three groups, right? Whatever, ABC or novice yeah. intermediate, you know, uh-huh. an expert you know, 20 minutes, you know, every hour, this, they added a fourth. So they had just all rookie section. So it was 15 minutes for each group. And it, and it was really good because they had a nice orientation before the first, you know, session out on the track. And then um, after every session, you know, you would get together with one or more of the, the, the coaches and they would kind of go over what happened. Did anyone have any difficulties? Anyone have any questions? They'd be like, okay, so now the next time out, you know, let, let's kind of focus on this kind of thing. So it, it was really, I thought it was a really good, you know, introduction. Really who, who, was, uh, who was running this track day? This was actually the track themselves, like New York Safety Track. They, they have oh, their own okay. events and then there are quite a few track day schools. Um, Interesting. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I forget 
Yeah, I'd have to look at the website. I forget the the tracks, the, the track day schools that uh, that use that track. But uh, anyway, so you know, ton of fun, which is exactly what I expected. And so now this coming Saturday, I'm going up again. Going to do you know do do novice class this time, which is a little less hand holding, but still plenty of time just out on the track. And I'm going to rent one of their Ninja 400s. Perfect. So yeah, so Perfect. I figured let me get you know one something. I'm not going to be so upset if I whatever, drop it or throw it off the track. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and also something, you know, the, the, the Z900 RS, it's uh, tame is maybe not the way to put it. Um, I mean, it's got power. It's a leader bike, almost a leader bike, basically, right? And it's 110 horsepower or something like that. So it, the thing goes, like it, it moves. It's got a nice broad torque band, which that was the other interesting thing. I was kind of spoiled because I basically could run the whole track in fourth gear. Except when I was on the straightaway, the main straightaway, and then then, right. I, I, then I would you know up up the gears. But it's got such a broad torque torque band, it was like I didn't really have to downshift. Right? It was just like cruising fourth gear kind of thing. So I was like, this right, looks let me, like let me, a pretty sizable track uh, in eighteen yeah. turns. It's quite a bit, but two point one miles. This is yeah, this is not a go kart track. This no, is no, no. Yeah, it's like it's like the real deal, and it was kind of cool too because you know I've, uh, I'm a big fan of motorcycle racing now, and I follow Moto America, and I've been to Moto America races, and you know when when the, the big bikes are out there and you're just in the paddock hanging out, it has that same that same feel, that same sound, you know, the scream of the leader bikes, you know, the super bikes right. and whatever. So that that's really kind of cool. I just want to take a little break here to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by the following supporters of my podcast. Thumper Club member John Gardner, also known as G4, Parallel Twin Club members Shane Patilla and Jerry Vavaro, V-Twin Club members Richard Warfield Jr. of R-Dub Studios LLC and Harley Nemzer from the On the Road Again Motorcycle School, Triple Club member Aaron at The Motorcycle Rider, and V-4 Club member John Delvecchio from the Street Skills LLC Motorcycle Riding School and author of the book Corner and Confidence. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your support. It is greatly needed and very much appreciated. If you would like to join these supporters to help grow my podcast and other motorcycle-related content and thus contribute to the growth of the sport of motorcycling, please stay tuned to the end of this episode or check out the podcast supporters link on my website. And now back to the show. Um, but all right, so so that so that's kind of my my taste, you know, my foray in into track days and such. So I think that that is kind of a, a good segue. So you know, when someone's going to do like one of your tours, right? Yes. Where where should they be? Like, let's say, and and uh, it, it's already on my bucket list. I'm going to do one of your tours one okay. of these days, right? And and I'm sure there's many people that's the case. So what would you know where should a person be at what level of experience should they have what can they do to prepare that they could eventually well, like do one of your tours and really get you know get the most out of it yeah it's it, that's the fair question and i sort of built this sort of tour as as the ultimate uh, as for what somebody would want to do uh in in my world obviously i have lots of friends in the motorcycle industry uh and my goal here is that for everyone in the motorcycle industry will do well if people are training to, to do one of my tours. That's more tires being sold. That's more brakes being sold. That's more bikes being serviced. It's more track days happening. It's more uh, motorcycle coaching organizations, uh, you know, working like Yamaha Champions Riding School and, and California Superbike School and geez, all the little dirt track programs and geez, uh, Pagram Primor. I, I start running out. Obviously, California Superbike School is, is the most successful and the most well known of them. 
but my thought is if people want to do this program and they come on my tour, they've helped out all of my friends along the way. They've helped out the entire industry. Mm -hmm. So yes, you are on the right path. You have gone to a racetrack and you've gotten some training and you're seeing at what rate your bike can turn in. You're getting schooled. You're going to class and what's more important, you're going back and doing your homework. You're going to go try to use what you've learned and get it into muscle memory so that you do it naturally and you increase your skills. So you should be at least a uh, what we call an intermediate rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you should have like very steady lines. You should be hitting your lines and hitting your apexes. Uh, maybe you don't have you know super hot lean angle and you're not whacking on the gas and you're not using the brakes to the full ability, but you're predictable. You're not a safety hazard to other riders out there and you're not a hazard to yourself. Uh, so being online and in intermediate uh, United States, it's called Group B. That's where you want to be at least to do one of these tours. That said, there are some tours that are more focused towards the more advanced rider. Um, and also some that are the, the one tour we do in Italy, where it's just one day of track time on Mugello with Ducati, your chance to ride a Ducati. That's more structured. Uh, and it's better for, for intermediate riders, whereas more advanced riders, that's going to be too structured for them. And they're going to enjoy uh, a three days of track time with, uh, say Troy Courser, or maybe just a flat out, just, just two track days on some rented bikes, no instruction, just just let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it varies from tour to tour. So getting the schooling and getting up to speed, and most importantly, practice. Mm-hmm. This is not a hobby. This That's is a sport. Right. You need to get serious about this. Um, uh, one of my favorite guys in the paddock here in Northern California, Dave Moss, who helps me set up my suspension, uh, he has this attitude of, look, these things can kill you. Let's get serious about what you're doing and let's get serious about your progress. I now keep a log of my suspension settings. I keep a log of my tire pressures and my tire temperatures. Mm-hmm. Did the bike feel good that session? Did the grip really feel good? Maybe I got my tires up to operating temperature. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Let's use the temp gun. Oh, and find out. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. What pressure was I running? You start taking these things seriously because that's where you make progress and making progress is fun. That's where you get that championship feel. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to keep making progress. You got to take things seriously. Sure. You know, it's, yeah, Dave, Dave was a great guy. I actually had him on the podcast oh, a bunch, bunch of episodes ago. So that, that was really cool. And uh, he actually had some suggestions for me on some settings for the bike, which, which honestly I haven't done yet. Not because, not because I didn't agree or didn't want to, but I, I just haven't gotten to it yet. But uh, now, especially, you know, riding on the track and stuff like that, definitely, definitely something I want to pay yeah, attention Yeah. Dave to. Moss is the hardest working guy in the paddock. I usually pit pretty close to him. So I see him, he is working all day long, I'm setting sure. up so much suspension and he's probably the most valued vendor at our track days. Everyone. Oh, Oh, thank God. Dave's here. <laughs> we can solve the problems with my front end or, you know, you, you wheel in and he looks at your tires. And he goes, Oh, you got a little bit of chatter going on on the front end, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, cause he just yeah, reads the tires. Yeah. That's really cool. But having that attitude means you take things seriously. You, Learn from people who know more than you. 
you start figuring out what works for you and you go out and you practice and you become better so that one day you can not only just ride Magello, but you can roll on the throttle just the right way and then whack it open on that straight and watch the world whiz by as you two are now hammering it mm-hmm. on the most beautiful race course in the world. Yeah. Not my favorite, but the most beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so which, which one is your favorite? Phillip Island. Okay. I've, I've heard good things about Phillip Island. Uh, Phillip Island. The reason I enjoy Phillip Island is because it's the least threatening course. Okay. I'm not that good of a, of a track rider. I, I've just finally had a very successful track day. It put me into group A, solidly into group A. I, mm-hmm. I was passing other people on R1s. I'm, I was doing well. Uh, but Phillip Island is a very easy track to navigate because you can see through every turn. Except for one turn, it's a bl- it's a blind turn, but it's the slowest turn on the track. Uh, so it's it's very comforting, uh, and the pavement surface is like riding on sandpaper. Mm-hmm. It's very grippy. Uh, but that said, it is also uh, uh, is also a complex track, and there's more than one fast way around the track. There's more than one fast line, okay. and this is why racers love it is because it's a battleground track. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a place to play. Yeah, you can't, you can't, unless you're really good, you can't pull away from some because there's more than one fast way around. Mm -hmm. And also it's next to, you know, a a lovely little resort town, cows. It's right there. It's a beach resort, lots of great restaurants and whatnot, but it's next to a MotoGP track. It's the coolest resort town (laughs) in the world. I love it. That's really cool. Yeah, Yeah. Good people in, good people in Australia. Now you you did mention Magello, so yes. is is that just kind of the most scenic of the ones you know that that you've been to? One of my clients put it the best. Uh, this is Larry from uh, from British Columbia. He said it's like a dance. Magello has a rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one two one two sweep sweep one two down break. It it's it, it's melodic in the way that you ride it. Uh, it's f- flawlessly maintained. All MotoGP tracks have great, you know, great pavement services, but the entire facility of Magello is just gorgeous. And it's built in a valley and the track runs up around the, the hills of the valley. So there's lots of elevation changes. Mm-hmm. It's just a gorgeous, it, it, come on, it's, it's, it's a racetrack. It's Italian, so it has to be pretty. Yeah. And it's in Tuscany. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just kind of hard to beat. Yeah, the Spaniards have lots of racetracks, but uh, and a lot of them are great, and I really enjoy them. But uh, Mugello is is just a piece of art. It's beautiful. Mm, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Have uh, Have you been to Circuit of the Americas? No, I haven't. And the the main reason I haven't is uh, I would like to do a tour there. Um, but the trick is it's sort of got the same problem as Assen. Assen in the Netherlands is a legendary circuit. But there's not that much great riding around Assen. The Netherlands are really flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas has a little bit better. It's got like the Texas Hill Country is a right. little bit better. But it's it's when you're trying to compare the Texas Hill Country to um, going and riding the Spanish Pyrenees, little, uh, yeah, little, little, little it's, different. It's hard to it's hard to compare. Uh, so mostly my mission has been to take people outside the United States because I understand the U.S. consumer. Right. Sure. Uh, Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What uh, what's your track bike now? Oh, I, I've, I'm very happy because I just had my first successful test. 
of uh, my Yamaha R1. I purchased a, a demo bike from Yamaha Champions Riding School because uh, I knew I could trust. I knew I could trust the guys there. I knew they took good care of the machines. So I was like, okay, the bike I'm buying has 1,200 miles on it. I know who's maintained it. It's never been ridden hard. There's no ridiculous modifications on it. So I picked up the R1 and and I picked up an Arizona bike, a 49 state bike, with the express purpose of turning it into a track bike. Okay. So mm-hmm. track plastics, uh, which meant I had to get track exhaust. And then I layered it up in protection with frame sliders and engine case covers and things like that. Uh, and I just had it uh, flash tuned just to run as an open uh, open system. So it's not, not constrained in any way. Mm-hmm. And I've never ridden uh, uh, technically an unrestrained bike. Every bike I ride on my tours is, is all is technically still street legal. Uh, so it was a real surprise to climb aboard uh, an R1, which I'm very familiar with. I rode an R1 for two days at Zoxenring in Germany, and I fell in love with it. I said, this is the bike for me because it fits me. I'm a kind of a big guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's black now. It's, I call it Hugen, which is one of uh, one of Odin's ravens. Uh, okay. Uh, it's, it's the raven. It's actually the word means thought thought and memory are the two ravens and yes to me this motorcycle is useless unless it's powered by thought because it's mm. my brain that's that's controlling this thing so right. i had a very successful uh three days at thunder hill raceway uh recently and i'm now solid, solidly in a group with this bike and I'm, the only problem is i'm pushing the limits of the suspension already because mm-hmm. i'm so heavy so so i guess you're talking to dave Yes, I am. I just got an email. He's very responsive. And he said, uh, he, he adjusted them three times at the track. And I said, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, he's like, all right, here's your new settings. Put them in before you go to Thunder Hill. And he says, beyond that, you're going to have to get new fork springs and I may have to get new, a uh, new rear, new rear spring as well. Cause I'm a big guy. That's the problem. Gotcha. That, but that's one of the things I love, like about some of the videos that I've seen, you know, the, the Dave Moss tuning videos where, you know, the guy comes, you know, he's done a session he comes to talk to Dave and Dave's like, yeah. okay, good. Look, looks good. But uh, I really need to see you working that suspension before I stiffen things up or whatever, you know, before I make the adjustment you want, yeah. you got you to show me you can ride this thing. Yeah. Which, yeah. Makes sense, right? It's like, no, if you stiffen the suspension up too much for somebody who's not riding fast, then then the tire won't have the appropriate traction level. Yeah, yeah. and it's not appropriate to stiffen up someone's suspension. No, because it, it won't give you the smooth. You literally have to go faster for it to be smoother for the suspension yeah. to work right. So, right, right, right. No, he's he, he's the man. Yeah, exactly. I, I know, trust him. Uh, He's been racing for quite a while. I enjoy watching some of his because he was, he also was doing a series of videos on hey you know you want to start racing well here's yeah. what you got to start doing so that was, I I watched him in the paddock and I've been at a number of races and uh, Dave is 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 a thinking man's racer. Uh, of course he's got he's got plenty of talent but uh, he he gets to know his opponents. He sees their style and he sees mm-hmm. what he can do. He thinks his way around people. Gotcha. Uh, he'll, he'll play them out. He'll wait for them to tire themselves out and then, then make a turn at the right place. Uh, it, he has different strategies depending upon the type of person he's trying to get around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's clever. Interesting. No, yeah. it's interesting, right? What the, the, uh, how you can make your life easier by thinking and having a little strategy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sometimes you go up against <laughs> some writers that are nothing but raw talent. 
yeah yeah that's that but it's interesting i remember years and years ago i was playing racquetball for a while and uh i remember playing against a guy who was probably 20 years i don't know it's my 30s he's probably at least 20 years older yeah and and it was just a perfect example of how technique can definitely win over whatever energy right brawn strength whatever because that dude was planted in the middle of the racquetball court and right. I, my ass was running all over the place, like running circles around him because his placement, you know, he, he was so good. He was so practiced. at it. Yep. So yeah. it, was, it was like, it was a good lesson. One of those humbling things. Yeah. So getting prepared for one of my tours, it's not just uh, the track stuff. Also, we have some street issues. We have people who come from different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fabulous. We had a group of people from Australia, family, two brothers and the dad come from uh, Western Australia to ride in Italy, in Italia, and they'd never seen a switchback in their life before. Yeah, well, they they've never seen elevation change, and we didn't even take them to the Alps. We're just getting them over, over the Pines in in, in the middle of Italy, and so it's a completely different riding experience for them. And I have sent some people to various different riding schools, not so much for the track stuff, but to really prep them for more challenging street riding particularly uh, trail breaking and vision, vision skills and trail breaking. Mm -hmm. Because trail breaking gives you lots more options when you're going into a turn as to what you can do, what adjustments you can make. And vision is key. If you're not looking in the right place, you can't, you can't decide. Turning people into, uh, instead of being reactive riders, being proactive riders, I'm going to enter there. I'm going to keep turning and turning until I see my exit point. Now I go instead of people who are just reacting to the road. And I see these some page, sometimes these people on my tours and people who just react to what the road brings them, uh, get in trouble more quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the bikes that end up on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you do coaching at all with people on the tours? Are you kind of, I've, uh, yeah. Nudging here and there. Sometimes I do. It depends on how many people I have on staff. Uh, to help me out uh, versus, you know, sometimes in Australia, it's just me and one other person. Whereas in Spain, it's me and two other people. So I can, I have a chance to help out, help some people out. Uh, I've taken so many different writing schools uh, from different people over the years that I've now learned there is no one right way mm-hmm. to ride a motorcycle. There's lots yeah. of different styles you need to find the right way that works for you. And then eventually maybe you can move into the Casey Stoner level where Casey just says, I ride each turn the way it needs to be ridden. Right. He literally changes his motorcycle riding style based upon the turn. That's wizardry. That's, that's just bloody insane (laughs) to be able to do that, you know, from one turn to the next. Uh, But uh, example, I've picked up the Troy Cursor. Troy Corser, I've had three uh, instructions with Troy Corser now, three days each. And I've learned some very good tips from him that work for me, mm-hmm. that work for what I need to do, mostly to do with uh, foot position. Cause my, and he didn't do it, did it do it specifically for me. It's just my feet are so bloody big and he does not ride on his toes. He actually wedges, wedges his foot at a 45 degree angle uh, against the frame and the foot peg. And that works better for me. However, he also has a, uh, a seating position style, which does not work for me because I'm too big. Mm-hmm. 
he wants me to put all the weight, uh, all my weight on the, on the tank when I break. And if I do that, I'm way too far forward and I overload yeah. the forks and I, I square off the tire and I, I run off the track. So, but no, his, no, his no. idea works right. for smaller people. Sure. No, no, no. That, that, that's a really good point too. And that, that's one of the things I've talked about on the podcast and not, not that I have the same level of experience, but you know, I have read quite a few books, you know, and it, it's just that idea that, you know, there, there are different techniques, there's different styles, the different ideas, and you kind of, I think it's just good to expose yourself to all of them. And yeah. then you, you look at what works for you and, and what, what doesn't, you know, and also what works in different situations. Yeah. Uh, now uh, with this new bike that I'm on, uh, I'm going much faster. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm approaching my turn entry points much quicker. And this is, I am always a, a, a counter steering guy on the street. I'm flopping it in counter steering on the racetrack. Uh, I'm learning. I really have to do more with leaning and less with counter steering, putting less stress on the tire and doing more leaning because putting that much whacking and counter steering the bike uh, at that speed upsets it. as a day it upsets the bike. Yeah. I have to be smoother and lean with the bike at those high speeds. Whereas you t- you put me back on a street bike, I'm going to be slamming, slamming it in and out of tight turns using counter steering all the time. So I'm, I'm learning now. Just, you never stop learning. Right. Absolutely. And that, that's a good point too, about, you know, just, you know, using this a little bit and, and yeah. just not, you know, there, there are, like you said, there is the thing of, you know, establishing muscle memory, practicing things so that it becomes second nature and you don't have to think about it, but there are times you don't want to just, I guess, adapt techniques or styles. And that like, that's, that's always how I'm going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you need to kind of be in the present thinking what's the situation here and yeah. what's, what's the appropriate thing now. Right. Um, yeah, it's one of the points I've made about, you know, riding on the street in particular is, you know, basically, you know, taking any section of road, like in a way, like you've never ridden it before, because you sometimes hear of people getting into accidents because of surprises and things, you know, it's like, well, there was no road construction the last time I was on this turn. Yeah. Guess what? There is this time. So, you know, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There's experience, but you kind of have to have part of your attention in the right now and what's, you know, what's happening, what's unfolding in front of you kind of thing. It's particularly challenging when you're leading a group because I spend, Uh, I spend half my time looking at my rearview mirror uh, and making sure that I haven't lost anyone. mm -hmm. I'm, I'm there as a guide. I'm not there to have fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm there to make sure everyone else has a good time. Yeah. So if I'm leading a group of people and making them have a good time, if I take off, that's no fun for them. And it could also push them to do something stupid. So it's yeah. really tricky to measure the distance between. So I'm looking in the rearview mirror all the time, then down at the GPS. Oh, yeah, maybe I should look ahead at the road, too. Yeah. Uh, you sort of develop a rhythm of uh, look in the rearview mirror before, after I've figured out where I'm going to start breaking, I look in the rearview mirror to see where everyone is i break into my turn i'm looking through looking for my exit point i'm trying to late apex in case of oncoming buses and i'm trying to encourage my customers to do the same they usually close up on me uh when it comes to turn entries and then turn exits uh that's usually where i'm dropping my chest and getting the throttle on earlier and that 
putting some distance between me and them so they can have a little bit of fun catching up catching to me up. on the straight. Right. Uh, Cause it's all about, it's all about the writers who are with me, but you get your attention split pretty good between <laughs> the mirror, the GPS and the road. <laughs> but you, know, you, you figure it out. You learn how to sure, do it. Sure. No, it sounds like a lot to manage. Have, uh, have you either started or do you think in the future you might do, you know, uh, instruction on how to lead tours like this? Um, as a, actually, as a, as a, I, because it's interesting to, to hear you talk about that. It totally <laughs> makes sense that, that, you know, that is a whole additional set of skills. Like in addition to being a competent street rider, you, you know, you're now managing, you know, and yeah, it's kind of like a group ride, but it's a little bit yes. different in this case. You right? are, like you are thinking, that you're caring for. Yeah. yeah. You're thinking about, I can make it around this truck. How many other riders right. can and make yeah. it around this truck too? Yeah. Now I got to wait to make sure everyone is, make sure enough, enough people have made it around. Okay. So it's a balance. You have to see, you know, you want to make sure everyone's still having fun, but you want to make sure everyone's together. And if you've got a, uh, I always have a sweep rider with me or even, or sometimes a sweep truck, but uh, yeah. To, and I'm have them on radio com. I do not use Bluetooth because uh, it doesn't have the range or the clarity. I use mm-hmm. chatterbox radio systems because they're longer range. That way I can keep the tour moving and keep it flowing. Uh, so that's one trick. The other trick is some things that I have not learned very well. I'm still not very skilled when it comes to interpersonal relationships. Uh, <laughs> I'm a better tour operator than I am a tour guide. Uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, I, I do feel I could write a book at this point, uh, probably called uh, first, the first pickle squadrons uh, guide to leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 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 the seat of running hundreds of motorcycle tours and getting people to get along you want to know who somebody is travel with them mm-hmm. take them away from all their comforts take them away from all their trappings of status take them away from everything that tells them who they are and plop them in a foreign destination where nothing is familiar you get to know people real fast mm-hmm. and people will act up uh, people will sometimes people need to feel like they have control yeah. and so they they'll start butting heads with the tour guide because you know you're not they, they want to be in charge because they're they're afraid and if i have some control then i won't be as afraid so you as a tour guide some cases are right in the middle of that you've got to be coach security boss waiter bouncer uh, count <laughs> Uh, counselor, uh, counselor yeah. and bouncer. Yeah, I have yeah. had to play bouncer. It, it, it it's is. Good a, to be, it's good to be big for that. Yeah, it's a it's a wide ranging amount of roles. I think I could write an article on uh, having uh, the problems of having extreme left wing people on tour and the problems of having extreme right wing people on the tour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both are both come with their unique set of problems. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's a very that's a very nice work. way of putting it uh no it's the yeah uh the right wing folks um they're, they're not used to new things they're not fascinated with new things uh and but the great charm of the extreme white wing folks on tour is you will never not know what's on their mind you will hear straight up straight out what they're thinking and what they're upset about and and you know what their thoughts on this or that is that they're straight up straight up what you're going to hear extreme left wing is a little bit more difficult to deal with in some cases because you don't know Mm -hmm. they're sometimes so anti-confrontational 
that you sort of feel they're not having a good time, but don't know why, but they won't go into you about it. And then you'll get some big diatribe letter after the tour is over, how they think you're the most, most, you know, misogynistic, racist, you know, pick your victim culture narrative uh, person. And you're like, why couldn't you just tell me that you didn't like this right. on and, the tour? And we could have dealt with it there. Yeah. We could have dealt with it there, but, but yeah. no, it's a, uh, but a, a part of the, both of those things really have to do with uh, a lack of control, being comfortable with uh, a lack of control in a completely different environment. Adventure is not a pavement surface. Adventure is how far you get outside your normal daily routine. Mm-hmm. And just even the Czech Republic can, can pull people for a loop. It, it's, it's a different place. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess, so I guess you have tours you do there. Czech Republic. Yeah, I've I've ridden there in our scouting tour. I'm about to have a scouting tour there this August. Oh, cool. I'm just using that as a, as an example because Czech Republic is definitely different than Germany. Western Germany is different than Eastern Germany. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, different sure. cultures. So you get around. Yeah, it was interesting. I don't know if you followed at all the uh, Women Riders World Relay. Right? Yes, of course, because uh, um, I had a number of friends who, who were on it participating. Yeah, yes. it, it was really cool to just follow that, you know, and the stories there as they were kind of yeah. similar kind of thing, right? Trying to navigate, negotiate, you know, going certain countries to certain other countries and restrictions, and particularly because of the fact of this being women and the, the stories were just really, really interesting, yeah. but, you know, very inspirational in terms of, you know, how people came together and, you know, they, they found ways to do it, you know, which is, which is really cool. You know, just that, that persistence of this is, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to get done. Yeah. Yes, I know you have your ideas and thoughts that why we shouldn't do it, but this is how it's going to be. <laughs> you know, and, and it's a good thing too, right? It's not like, right. I don't, I don't think anyone could argue that there was anything bad about what they were trying to do. You know, so no. It, no. Was, it was really cool to just, just follow that story. No, I, I was, I was very proud of some of the participants. Uh, I'm ready to, uh, I, I specifically have tried really hard to get more women uh, in the industry. Uh, I've gotten a lot of pushback sometimes from uh, from higher ups. Jeez, uh, I think years ago I was working for a major company and we sponsored a woman racer for the Paris to Dakar rally. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Look, this is this was a long time ago. This was like you know fifteen, twenty years ago, uh, and it was very strange for a woman to be. It was very. I said, "Look, we're going to get more money." For we're going to get more exposure for our sponsorship dollar right. out of this if we sponsor this sponsor this woman's team and we use it appropriately, because she's doing something that's unusual, and we're just going to get it's better for us. And said that's that's the callous marketing term saying this is a better bang for our buck, but in the long run, this is good for the whole industry. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're if you if you're not catering to 51% of the population come on how many customers have you lost and folks are going to remember who was loyal to them at the beginning you know when you when you brought them into the sport and said hey welcome yep. thanks for being here Absolutely. let's get on a bike let's go ride you're you're wanted here i'm still amazed that i hear stories from my female friends about pushback they get at the racetrack to me, it doesn't really happen that often in California. Uh, but I have heard that, like, some people are upset about it. Like, come on. How else are you going to get kid racers? Yeah. How are we going to have championship MotoGP racers on the podium again from the United States uh, unless we have mothers who can't wait to go to the racetrack, mm-hmm. you know, 
and <laughs> those those are good to the people who who produce championship racers when both the father and the mother are are oh, passionate about the sport. sport. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons I love just following Melissa Paris and like what she's doing <laughs> in, in racing, and, and it's just awesome to see like she posts videos or photos of her. Like her son is I don't know what two, three, four years old, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I he's, remember when he was born. Old. Yeah. Okay. And. uh He's just loving it, and he's on his push bike or whatever it happens to be. And I think maybe they got him on a little dirt bike now or something like that. That's just—I don't know. Yeah. It's just they're just living life. It's really cool. Yeah, that kid's gonna be fast. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> yep. doesn't have a choice. <laughs> you know? But that's that's where championship champions come from. You know. Yeah, that right being the exposure and seeing what can be done. I guess. Yeah. Just another quick break to announce the new affiliates program. If you go to the affiliates page on my website, you will see the companies that I have partnered with to bring you some of the motorcycle gear and services that I use myself. Not only will you benefit from their products and services, but if you make a purchase using the links on this page, you'll also be helping to support the podcast financially. So I'd like to welcome these affiliates. Street Skills LLC, which provides the Cornering Confidence book and online course, if you purchase a course or course and book combination from my website, you'll also be listed as a supporter on my podcast supporters page as a Parallel Twin Club member. If you're already a podcast supporter, a portion of the purchase price will be credited towards your next support level. And I'd also like to welcome Bond Body Armor, which I've been using for a couple of years now. If you go to their website using the affiliate link, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from their online store using the discount code they provide. Tell them you heard about Bond Body Armor from this podcast and get a free helmet liner. And now back to the last part of the show. I have a friend, uh, Misty Hurst, who's a California Superbike School coach. Has also written some articles for uh, Motorcycle Mojo in Canada. She's absolutely fabulous. On a, uh, Like a lot of people on the tours, they add something to the tour simply by being there. And she has done that more than once. And she's ridiculously athletic. Uh, she's my she's my superhero. She's my coach when I'm I'm at California Superbike School. Uh, but she's she's like martial arts, incredibly athletic, and her kids have the same amount of energy she does, which is making their grandmother just laugh, because she remembers how difficult it was to raise Misty. But these kids are already wicked quick, uh, and they have the potential to become very fast racers, mm -hmm. because. You know, they had a mom and a father who's a mechanic, you know, yep. you know to, to fix the bikes. So th there's our future racers right there. Women have to be involved in the sport, I think, for, for us to win at MotoGP again. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. And it's interesting, you know, my own situation is ironic in that my girlfriend is the one that got me into motorcycling. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm all women in motorcycling. <laughs> you know, I love it so much. It's like, so, yeah, it's part of what I, what I try to do. And so I have, you know, I, I sponsored Women Riders World Relay, you know, what, what I could yeah. from my little podcast. And, you know, I had actually a bunch of, Haley Bell was on like one of my early episodes. Right. So that, that no. was a ton of fun to just like be part of that. And then, like, like to think like, you know, I had her on my podcast early. Like I just started the podcast. I think it was episode nine or something like that. And then like a year later to see like what she had done with this, this whole campaign, you know, and yeah. she's, I don't know, she's on the cover of AMA magazine and like, you know, yeah. Google, Google had done like a whole video and stuff about women rise. Well, really, it's really, really cool stuff. So. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very supportive, but the, the, the other converse thing is, is, uh, I'm still a guy, 
if you show me some, you know, if you show me some some gorgeous eye candy, I'm real. Oh yeah, bring it on. But here's the one photo shoot I really want to see, because I've seen I, I've seen you know naked women you know wearing nothing but butt floss on top of a a motorcycle. And okay, yeah, she's pretty. What I really want to see is a good photo shoot of an obviously athletic, pretty woman who's just come off the track, still drenched and sweat, pulling off her leather. She's wearing her venoms, you know, she's wearing mm-hmm. her, her venom underlayers, right. which of course only look good on women. I've seen way too many men at the track in, in Lycra at this point. <laughs> well, if it, we walk, we, we walk around wearing our Lycra because it's <laughs> bloody hot. Yeah. I swear we should do a calendar just of that, but I still would like to see the photo shoot of a, a truly gorgeous woman, but also something that's authentic because I've seen gorgeous women at the racetrack you know, who are real riders. I would love it to be obvious in the photo. They're like, Hey, here's a sexy rider. This is someone who actually, you know, scrubs in and drags her, drags her pucks. That would be cool. I have yet to see these photos from any, I think, you know, AGV, come on, bring it. (laughs) You got hot Italian women who who race. Let's do it. There you go. It'll come. Someone will, someone will catch on, you know, and, and right. It, it just takes the first couple of people willing to take the challenge and then everybody, you know, starts to jump on. Right. Yeah. So, so it's like, who, who's going to be first kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I'm not, I'm not uh, the marketing director in charge of a big, big, uh, big brand at this point anymore, except for you know, my tiny little thing. Yeah. Well, whatever. We, we all do what we can do. Yeah. So, so, all right. So from the, the standpoint of someone like myself, who is, like I said, on my bucket list is to do a layout motorcycle escape. Uh-huh. Um, how, how many pennies should I start saving up? Like what, what, you know, okay. what's the cost of the packages? Just so people listening. It, it, it runs, it runs anywhere from 6,500 to $8,000 for a 10 to 11 day trip with one or one, anywhere from one to three days of track time always three to four star hotels uh breakfast is always included street bikes included obviously there's upgrades here and there and there's mm-hmm. also upgrades of the track always reliable good quality street bikes and track bikes um guides so yeah you start saving up for that and you start training for that right uh, and a lot of my clients are not super wealthy a lot of my clients save up for you know two years Stop getting Starbucks and brew coffee at home. I got to give up Starbucks. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my best client uh, works, works for the, I think he works for Sierra County. He, he's up in Truckee, Northern California. He's, he's really close to Lake Tahoe. And he, his overtime hours in the winter, he's driving a snowplow. Mm-hmm. And every extra, you know, every overtime he gets, boom, that goes right into his fund to take another oh. tour. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's Brad. I'll be seeing Brad again, uh, hopefully to do the Czech tour this year. My 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 scouting tour. It's a scouting tour, but with more drinking. It's my birthday. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. When, when's when's your birthday coming up? Oh, it's already happened. But this is oh, my official. This, this is my fiftieth birthday the celebration. Celebrate. Okay, gotcha. Is gotcha, to gotcha. to we're gonna do some of the Alps ride ride Bruno, and then uh, some of them are extending it, and we're doing two days of track time at Zoxenring. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, happy, happy belated birthday. 
Yeah, cheers. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's my, my big 50th birthday. So. Oh, awesome, awesome. All right, so you're a young man in comparison to me. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not the years, it's the mileage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining. Fun. You know, one, one of the things that I've talked about on the podcast that, that has been really good about getting into motorcycling is, uh, you know, I started on a cruiser, sport cruiser, Kawasaki Vulcan S, which, which I still have. And, uh, you know, I saw photos of myself sitting on the bike with the beer belly and the whole thing. And then, like, looking at it going, you know, this, this isn't, this isn't quite the image like I had in mind, you know, it's time, it's, it's time to get, get in a little bit better, better health. So uh, I actually dropped 40 pounds over about a year and a half. Nice. Like that. And, yeah. And, you got uh, people putting so, on titanium bolts on their bike and yet they, they can stand to lose 20 pounds. Yeah. So I, it's just, I just feel so much better, more energetic, you know, you move easier. So it's it just all, you know, it wasn't just because of the motorcycling, but it just kind of, the, I don't know, the whole package fits together. So, yeah, no, I'm doing my stretches every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to go into the doctor tomorrow to get another injection of cortisone into my hips. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, most of my training now is specifically for making it easier for me to ride a motorcycle quickly right. and competently. Oh, cool. so you got to take it seriously. It is, it's a sport. It, yeah. I, no, absolutely. I, I, I love that viewpoint, you know, and you know, I, I, you know, I acknowledge everyone has different, different, interest in motorcycling i mean there, there are people who who they just they love to have their trailer queen you know like 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 their thing in motorcycling is to have a beautiful bike that you can't really ride more than 10 miles at a time and you take it to shows and that, that, that's you know whatever some people love that and that's the thing right and that that's that's fine I mean, everyone's entitled to do it how they want but uh I, I guess I subscribe more to the view that you have that, you know, it, it is a sport. It is, it is something, there are skills to be learned. I love motorcycling because it's this, there's always something else. There's, this is something else to learn. There's another skill to pick up. There's a, an existing skill to improve. And it just, for me, just never gets boring. It's just like, there's always like something else. So, you know, great. Yeah. And for me now it's track day. So well, then there's, there's plenty, there's plenty to learn there now. So, Yes, and the, the track days will make you a better street rider. Mm-hmm. Always does. Uh, although, and still, you'll have trouble with the tight, twisty stuff because that's that's only to be available on the street. Right. But the track riding community uh, is very supportive. Uh, they're always a good group of people. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. I've, that's probably the thing I miss the most about this COVID nuttiness is the lack of social contact with all my track riding friends. Yeah. So I'm guessing all this pandemic stuff has kind of whatever it's, it's kind of sidetracked a lot of the the plans that you had, right? I mean, you've had to adjust schedules and. Yeah, we've had four tours canceled this year. Our biggest issue at the moment is uh, the EU is proceeding as I predicted. Uh, First, they had to drop all internal borders before they would be ready to welcome people from the outside. Um, There are, you know, I just put out a news item today. They're they're talking. They just released. They're going to have a standard uh, programming protocol for the contract tracing applications they want to put on people's phones mm-hmm. uh, in certain areas. And I'm fine. I'll put on the app on my phone if I get to come into your country. But right now, our biggest problem is not waiting for hotels to open or restaurants to open. Our problem is the United States. Our numbers are not looking good, and I'm really worried that the European Union will go. I'm sorry, we don't want your business. You're not Mm -hmm. worth the risk. I went and I got a COVID-19 test just so I could tell my clients what it's like and what to expect. I'm trying to stay ahead of the game on that. I'm looking to see what I can do right now. The Czech Republic tour is still on. 
Uh, our Spain tour is still on. Uh, we have three spots left for that. Spain is being a very aggressive and trying to open up. Uh, and we do have an Italy tour in September for Mazzano MotoGP, which I'm hoping we can still do, but I don't think uh, Mazzano MotoGP in particular will have crowds. So we wouldn't be able to t actually go in and watch the race from the stands. I've been to Mazzano MotoGP. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it would be a, 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 it would be a coronavirus wet dream. Uh, everyone's packed in tight in lots of crowds. The only advantage is it's, you've got an open, you know, open air environment. Right. But yeah. It's so hopefully we'll still do the tour, but we'll, we'll watch the race from a local Italian, you know, outdoor seating bar or something, but it, seeing the race itself is not necessarily the purpose of, purpose of the whole tour. Riding Italy right. is, it's the yeah. best way to see the world is on two wheels. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping I can convince the people. I have a call scheduled with the Ducati president of Chicago, I believe, uh, tomorrow to talk about the future of that tour. Oh, cool. Is that going to be like a Ducati, like a Ducati riders kind of tour? Yeah, it's a Ducati riders club. We've got some other people joining as well. It's the only tour we have where Ducatis are really a rental option on the street. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to be in Italy. Hey, why not ride the Ducati? Ducati yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. You know, it's, it's, it, Italy's all about the food. Uh, you'll, you're going it, to, it's, you'll realize once you're over in Italy that American Italian food has nothing to do with, it, it's not Italian food. It's a completely different thing. It's mostly Sicilian food, I think, is what we think of as Italian food. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but that's the beauty of traveling as you, yes. you, learn, you learn these things and you expose yourself to something. Well, and yeah, that's, I'm changing the world one tour at a time. Uh, exposing people to new things, you know, I, I, getting the call on my, on, on my phone. Hey cat. Yeah. What's up, Bob? Why are there two toilets in my bathroom? <laughs> you know. uh, that one's for brushing your teeth, Bob. <laughs> That's the special one. <laughs> yeah. Just, just make sure you get your toothbrush deep down in that thing. All right. Yeah. It's just, just fun little things. You know, learning that uh, things are different in different places. You know, I, I helped, you know, I was in the middle of a train station in, in Valencia, Valencia, Spain, I think. And I had figured out the train station, but obviously there was this other couple with their child that hadn't, they're having trouble finding things. And I, I could see they were in need. So I popped over and said, you know, Hey, what, what, what are you trying to find? And Oh, that we need to get here. Oh, here, you take this one and this one. It's hard to hear, go over to the, here's how you get your ticket. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I says, Oh, where are you from? I said, I'm, you know, uh, I'm from the United States and they go, Oh, we're from Iran. Thank you. Wow. You know, <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be mortal enemies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, well, that's, yep, 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 yep. That's that, that's just, that's just bad public relations theory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people and are people. And listening to the media. Yeah. That, that, that's one of the things I've heard from people who've traveled around the world. It's, it's amazing to see that, you know, people for the most part, you know, there, there's, Idiots everywhere you go, right? But sure. For, well, people are just people, and they're just trying to live their lives. And uh, it's like, it's yeah. not. It's not all this stuff that it's hyped up to be. Fortunately, yeah. Spending half my life outside the United States has given me kind of a twisted perspective of U.S. culture. Mm -hmm. uh, it's <laughs> it's uh, for for a lot of the world right now. Uh, the United States is their beloved drunk brother. Mm -hmm. They still love them. They just don't really want much to do with them right at the just moment. Don't, don't want them around. <laughs> and, and 
and they know he's going to say some crazy stuff and, and they're just going to hope that, that he'll wake up and, and stop drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough. They still, you know, this, most of the time people don't think about us at all. They have their regular lives to live. We're not on anybody's radar. Nobody hates us. Very few people. It, nobody has time to 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 hate the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just right now they're a bit concerned about what the. I get this all the time. What the hell is going on with your country? Because <laughs> I have I, I still have a hard time explaining to folks what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of interesting when you're sort of the ambassador, you know, just yes. by, de- by default, and, yeah. and people want to under. This want to understand, like, okay, so you're yeah. From, yeah so what, like, who? Why? Why? Why is why is POTUS doing this, or why? Yeah, yeah. Why well, is this happening? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's hard to explain, uh, but yeah, it's that's another reason why I do the tour from the travel perspective is I'm trying to change the world. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get get people to get outside of their comfort zone and see that, hey, wait a second, we're at a fast food place. I do it. I do it like maybe twice a year when I'm in Europe, I will go to a fast food place like Burger King. Mm -hmm. It's one of my weaknesses. And I will take a picture of the cost of a Whopper of, of a double Whopper meal in euros. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that the like twenty dollars U.S. or something. No, no, it's no, it's. uh, I think the last time I got, I think it was like twelve or thirteen euros uh, Mm -hmm. for the big Whopper meal, which is less than it costs in the United States at the moment, mostly due to an exchange rate. But still, it's 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 about the same price. Yet everybody who everybody behind the counter is making a living wage. Right. Okay. So what's going on? That works. So you know who's who's pocketing that extra money. And also the standards of the food uh, in the EU is higher. Uh, your your standards for meat is higher. Your standards for potatoes, you're not allowed to put all these additives and preservatives in it. So technically the food's more expensive. Yet somehow they're able to sell this stuff at, at, at that price. Hmm. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Think, things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, everyone's like, oh, if we, if we have minimum wage, then, then all these fast food places will shut down. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> It's. I don't know. I don't have the answers to a lot of our social ills, and in some cases, the United States is is doing better than other countries. But there's something to be learned about well, how they solve that problem. Right. Have a look over there. How come they don't have a whole bunch of people in prison? Mm-hmm. Why don't they have any homeless? Yep. How they solve their sanitation problems, their their public transport. There are different answers to these problems, and many of them don't align with any dogma one way or the other, or any political spectrum. It's just like, well, if we wanted to solve the problem, and this is what we did. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that is a good point. It's interesting when you open your eyes and you're willing to just observe and take a look. And 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 it's funny just because we're talking you know, motorcycles. It applies there too, right? It's yes. like you know, it's like, don't have a closed mind. It's like, you know, that, that person just took that corner way faster than me. Or they just, <laughs> they just did a way better lap time. Like what, what could I do different? Like just yeah. look and learn. Right. I mean, and, 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 you know, put the ego aside, I guess is kind, kind of, kind of what you're saying. It's like, you know, yeah, let's, it, let's realize there may be other people that have good ideas too. Yeah. Probably my, my, my personal thing is I'm against dogma. Mm-hmm. I okay. don't want that, the um, one um, particular okay. thing that were that you have to believe in. I just want what works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I see you're also a big fan of single malt as well. 
Yeah, I am a little bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> bourbon, all right. I'm a bourbon, actually. Yeah, wild wild turkey. Yeah. All right. No, I'm. A, yeah, I'm a I found this guy. this this wild turkey American honey. It's just really smooth. Um, <laughs> the, the they have a a sting version that has ghost pepper in it. That's really excellent. You know, just, right. just a little bit in the evening, but yeah, it's good good stuff. But, yeah. Is there anything you wanted to check in with me about uh, about your track day stuff? Were, how did everything work out there? That was your first time out. So it, yeah, it was. I what mean, was, it was, what know, was shocking? I, I, I didn't have any particular expectations. You know, I was kind of like, I, I, I tried to be, uh, what's the word? I don't know if open-minded is the right way to put it, but just like, let me go and let me listen mm-hmm. and, and let me go do like what, what these people are talking about. Cause they've been here before and, and I haven't. Right. So try to put the ego aside and whatever. And it, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. You know, it, it kind of, one of the reasons I wanted to start doing track days is, you know, I find myself, I've gotten pretty comfortable riding on the street. You know, I started four years ago, got pretty comfortable riding on the street and I've just gotten to the point where I find myself being, you know, this is a really cool turn. If I, I could just take this turn a little bit faster. Right. But I know there's traffic that can come the other way and, and whatever, you know, whatever the obstacles and things that you have on the street. Right. So it's like, all right, maybe it's time to move that to the track. And it's not that, you know, it's not that you can't have obstacles and problems. And in fact, you know, one of the sessions we actually had a bit of a, a bit of a gap because someone dumped oil on the track and, and like for quite a few turns, like it was, it was hundreds of feet, right? They blew, an oil oh, line, no. they blew an oil line, they dumped oil on the track. So it was probably at least an hour for them to clean it up. Um, so obviously, you know, you have things like that, but you know, and people can run into you or you run into people, whatever, but you know, it's, it's an environment made for, you know, being on motorcycles and going fast. And so, my goal, I guess, basically was let me just get out there, get around the track safely, not fly off and, and you know, see what it is. And so so it accomplished that, you know, and I was like, you know, I expected I was going to enjoy it, but it, it confirmed it. And so then it was like, OK, well, they got an opening coming up. They got, you know, in the novice, the novice class. So, you know, I'm going this weekend. So good. And, I, and I'll do I'll do as many as I can. You know, I think, you know, this time out you know, I will probably grab an instructor here or there and just kind of pick their brains a little bit and get some advice. But I actually kind of want to just focus on just being on the bike on the track and just observing, like, you know what I mean? Just continuing to get comfortable with the whole thing. I do have understand. a goal. Yeah. Well, Every session. Yeah, have yeah, a goal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yep. Good point. You know, and I do. If you make it too many goals, it'll get too confusing. <laughs> uh, right. Right. And then you don't accomplish anything. Um, but just to kind of, I guess, experiment enough on my own so i know where i need where i feel i need help right and then of course the thing will be to work with a coach and have them tell me where they think i need help because it obviously could be two different things right you know my 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 concept you know right because some you know sometimes you're not always the most honest critic of yourself or the best critic of yourself so yeah Um, but uh but yeah so just kind of go step by step you know i hope so do the one this coming weekend and then it kind of wraps up June. I'll probably try to do at least one in July, maybe a different track. I may actually try to do Yamaha champions in uh, New Jersey motorsports park. If mm-hmm. the slot, slot open, uh, I've got a, a good connection with the guys at N2 track days now. Yes. I know they're sometimes at, at uh, New Jersey. So I may try to hook up with them. And then end of August, I've got, uh, you know, the, uh, Super, uh, California Superbike School. Yeah, Rob so. Chichello at uh, N2. 
uh, yep. is also yep, yep, a qualified. Yep. He's also a qualified coach for YCRS, as far as I know. They yep. partner a lot with uh, Yamaha Champions Riding School. Yep. So doing stuff with YCRS and then trying to continue it and further it and be reminded of what things you might have forgotten is easy to do with N2 because they mm-hmm. partner very closely with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Which it was cool actually at the at the Moto America race, the season opener. You know, as media, I was able to attend. As a speaker, hey. I couldn't, but there's 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 some real advantages to doing a podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, so I got to meet Rob in person, which is Good. really cool. And I've actually had his son on a couple of times because he's racing, you know, Twins Cup. So. Uh, so that's that's been a ton of fun. So yeah, a lot of good people. So uh, the, the whole podcasting thing has been a ton of fun, meeting all kinds of cool people and you know making friends and whatnot. So yeah. All right. Well, reach out with any que- any questions you have, and I tell this to everybody. Even if you're not, even if you decided no, I don't want to do one of your tours. I'm going to take three months off and I'm going to go ride Europe. Please go ahead, ask me questions. Okay. Awesome. Uh, my, my ultimate goal is to serve the industry. Sure, I would like to have you on my tour, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I want you to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, awesome. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll include like all your contact info and stuff, you know, in sure. the show notes for the podcast, so people can, you know, your website and all that kind. Yeah, of stuff. I know how to buy airfare. I I know where you should go ride in Italy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What what bikes you can rent in Brussels. <laughs> you know, it's just great. Why you can't rent any bikes in Norway and where you need to get them if you want to ride Norway. Yeah, right. Fun stuff like that. Awesome. 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 Cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if I have any questions, I will let you know. I'll definitely send right. people, people your way. So Kat, this is, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, Cheers. I, I know I'm, I'm sure the listeners will get as much out of it as I have. Oh, and, I hope so. Uh, and like I said, it's on my bucket list. It's actually been for quite a while. Like I, you know, I'd seen the promotion. So what, uh, what, 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 what's the track that appeals to you? What's the experience that you want? You know, honestly, I probably, as cool as the tracks and stuff are, I probably would do it by country. Like, you know, I, I've seen a little bit of Europe, uh, basically on business trips years and years ago. I've, I've been mm-hmm. to Germany, um, actually basically Germany. Um, I don't, I don't, do you do anything in Scandinavia? You do like, Sweden, no, there's, there's not enough. I would like to, there's not enough racetracks. I rode Norway oh, before and I spent a summer in Sweden once. Uh, and obviously I, I, I've been through the Copenhagen airport a number of times and said, wow, what a great looking bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see more Germany. I would love to see okay. Italy. France is awesome. So, and you know, that there's, Cool, cool racetracks in all these places. So yeah, uh, Mugello is probably the more famous of those. Uh, I also do Zoxenring, uh, and geez, I think the one thing that keeps getting left off people's menu, they don't think about it, is Spain. Spain don't have a lot of people don't have an idea of what to expect with Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what pops in? You know Germany. Okay, you got Lederhosen and beer, and and very orderly people who are kind of cold until you get a few beers in them, which yeah. is pretty accurate. Um, Italians, Italy always sells. Italy is a great seller. Uh, but Spain, people don't quite know what to think of Spain. What is Spain? Well, it, Spain is a forgotten empire. There was a time when Spain ruled the world. They were top dog. And remnants of that stuff is, is, is all over the countryside. Um, I think probably the best place, best place for racetracks is Spain. The best place for lunch is Thailand. The best place for dinner is Italy. The best place for breakfast, Germany. Nobody to, in, in Germany is Frühstücken. It's it's a oh. verb. Yeah. It's a verb. It's not just a noun. It's a verb. It's that important. 
<laughs> that's pretty funny. But now, so now you're hitting the food button, so I got to give that some thought too. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Italy's Italy is the the best food um, until you get tired of pasta. Yeah, you get kind of pasted out. Uh, Germany is the they are the kings of meat and potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the best beer in the world. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome, no, awesome. All right, lots, 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 to, lots to think about. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, any uh, any parting words you have for the listeners, or just um, every time or? I told you before, every time you get on your bike, what are you working on? And I, I'm sure there's some other people who've made this recommendation too. Probably, probably Ken Hill would probably be the guy who would say mm-hmm. it as well. Uh, every time you get on that bike, even if it's for a fun ride, a fun day, what are you working on? I want to get better on my, my turn entries or I want to really feel 5%, 10%, get better feel for my front brakes. You know, have something you're working on every day and then check in with yourself when you get up. Did I do it mm-hmm. or did I forget? What was I working on? That that's yeah. Take it seriously, but have fun with it. That's my thing. Every time I get on a bike, what am I working on this session? What am I working on this ride? sometimes when i'm a tour guide it's it's not as it's uh it's there's some other goals involved there but even when i'm on tour uh let's let's get used to the let's get used to the front brake on this s1000 xr in left handers Mm -hmm. you know it's have a goal every time cool 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 awesome awesome all right thanks again cat thanks to everyone for listening and uh, we will catch you next time cheers thanks sir all right bye If you'd like to find out more about my podcast or find the earlier podcast episodes, just point your web browser to soyouwantaridemotorcycle.com or find the link in the show notes included with this episode in your podcast app. If you have any questions about the show or the topics discussed, or if you want to send me feedback, you can email me anytime at soyouwantaride at yahoo.com. That address is also in the podcast notes. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I share lots of links to other people's motorcycle articles and video content, as well as providing a lot of my own motorcycle-related photos and content. Just search for So You Want to Ride or find the links on my website or, again, in the podcast notes. There are two big ways you can help support the show. One is free and one is paid. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, you can donate using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher Geis, or just click the donate link at the upper right on my website. I also now have a podcast supporters page on the website, which lists all of the listeners who are supporting the podcast. Total donations of $5 to $9 will make you a member of the Thupper Club, where I will list your name and any social media links that you want to provide. Donations of $10 and up will make you a member of one of the other clubs where I'll include your photo and biography as well as any links you want to provide. Any commercial organization that would like to support the podcast to help promote their products and services can contact me directly for the available options. All donations will be put to very good use to cover operating expenses and to help promote and expand the podcast. Anything you care to donate will be greatly appreciated. The free way to help is just help me spread the word so we can continue to grow my online and listener communities. So please share the link to my podcast and my social media with family, friends, and coworkers. And also, please leave me a rating and some comments on iTunes and any other place where you can leave feedback or mention the show. As always, thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 